Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Well, hey there, everybody, and welcome to Thinking Sideways. As always, I'm Steve, joined by my beloved co-hosts... Devin. And Joe. Well, hey there. Well, Hi, hey bro. there is my yeah. signature line. I know. I'm sorry. I always make fun Gotta, of it. Yeah, you know, I try to be on, on radio. No, not really. Uh, well, this week, ladies and gentlemen, we've, uh, of course, got another little mysterious story for you. And uh, It's I, not th- just mysterious. It's scary as hell. <laughs> ah! Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. As, as I found this and started looking it up, I realized that it's kind of going into territory we've never gone into before, which mm-hmm. is cryptozoology. Actually, we've been there. We, we've covered the uh, Chupacabra quite extensively. Okay. Well, not really, but... yeah. And the, uh, do fairies count then? No, I don't think fairies count. Okay. Uh, have we talked about the Yeti or Bigfoot? We've talked of the, them, the but not specifically. The Marshmallow Yeti? Yeah, yeah. that one. We did. But I, well, I was thinking about it. It's like, why haven't we ever gone into the realm of cryptozoology yet? We just we, haven't gotten there yet. We're just, just, you know, we're getting around to it. Okay. There's yeah. a lot of unsolved mysteries out there, Steve. We have just... You yeah. know, scratch touched, the surface. Not even touch the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, and not we only even. get to do this once a week. Only once a week do we get to solve a mystery, you know. So there's you That's know, true. We don't so have enough mysteries. time to, to look maybe up we all should, those. Maybe we should go to five days a week. <laughs> so I anyway. I, I, yeah. I don't have time for that. No. Do you have no. time for that? No, I do not. Okay. No, I, I do not. 
Uh, well, let's let's go into the story. What we're going to talk about today is the Mongolian Death Worm. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I love that name. <laughs> it does have the most awesome name <clears throat> ever. Mm-hmm. Death yeah. Worm. It's, it sounds like a metal band. It's like the Death Ship. Yeah. Right? Didn't yeah. we cover the or Death the, Ship? The Death Star. The Death Star. We yeah. haven't covered that one yet. Oh, I'll do it next week. I know you will. <laughs> uh, well, Found my story. If the name of this creature didn't already clue anybody in, it's the Mongolian death worm is from Mongolia, which mm. if you don't know your geography, Mongolia is north of China. It's connected to uh, Russia. It's in that whole upper region of the European continent. Aren't, aren't, aren't they the uh, reason? No, it's that not the... in Europe. It's in Asia. But it's like yeah, it's, Eurasia. It's, yeah, I'm sorry. yeah, but yeah. yeah, they're not. Yeah, it's not so much connected to Russia, but it borders Russia. And the Russians sort of ran the country for a long time. Mm-hmm. Kind of dominated it. Isn't Mongolia the reason that the Great Wall of China exists? I believe yeah, the that the Mongolians out. were the invaders. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we'll just do that. Also, for all of you who, you know, need your Mulan references. All right. Well, the Mongolian deathworm, not a creature that you evidently, according to local lore, want to ever meet nor mess with. Mm-hmm. Deadly as hell. Deadly. That's why they call it the death, death worm, worm versus the injury room. Yeah. Worm <laughs> the, the paper cut the, worm. The slight unpleasantness worm. No, that's the death worm. The mildly annoying worm. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah absolutely. I, Let's be honest. Aren't most worms mildly annoying? They're, a lot of them are kind of gross. Yeah. They only yeah. come out when it's like wet and rainy out. I actually really yeah. like regular worms. They do great things in my yard. They, no, they do. But they, when they come but out, when they come out of the woodwork and you have to look at them, they're kind of gross. Yeah. I don't think so. No. How can you tell what their face and what their butt is? Uh, I don't have to, because they're a worm, and I just don't care. I throw them back into the dirt and say, away with you, little one, yeah. and go eat that stuff. Yeah, I hope don't... you say that every time you do anything to a worm. Away with you, little one! <laughs> <laughs> I just say, like, ew, i got to go wash my hands now. <laughs> I just wipe them on my pants. Oh. Okay, well, here's the thing. We're going to say this right from the outset. The Mongolian death worm has never been confirmed to exist. So this is truly cryptozoology. No carcass, no live specimen, um, you know, no pictures of it, mm-hmm. I, no audio, but I don't know what audio a, de- a worm would make. So like, of, no, that doesn't exist either. It'd be, be like, like, like... And then the sound of a body hitting the ground. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, I was going to say it'd be like rumbling underground, right? Because it tunnels underground. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it does make ripples in the in the. In the I mean, I'm just saying we've all learned from Dune yeah. and critters, and, and or not critters, but uh, tremors. Yeah, that they they kind of make the noise. Uh-huh. I kind of do. Mm-hmm. Have that but... awesome Hollywood sound effect. Mm. Well, let's uh, let, let's start talking about the death worm a little bit. We we'll have get into been some talking s- about the specifics death worm. about the death worm. Oh, okay. It's really huge, about the size <laughs> of a Greyhound bus. <laughs> no, not actually. No. Not uh, really according not. to the locals who believe in the death worm. It's, uh, as we said, found in the Mongolian desert, in the Gobi Desert, actually. It's not the Mongolian, but the Gobi Desert. And it only comes out during the hottest months of the year, which evidently are June and July. And you're likely to see the death worm right after a heavy rain. Just like normal worms. Yeah. Just like normal worms. I wonder uh, how many times they get a heavy rain in the Gobi Desert in June and July. I don't think it has, <laughs> it's probably all that often. Yeah. That's, that's why you don't see why them. Why you never see them, I guess. Exactly. According to the, the locals, they, they call it, and I'm doing my best on this pronunciation, Algoi Korhoi. 
probably badly pronounced, but... Yeah, uh, that sounded pretty good to me. Uh, yeah. yeah. Loosely translated, that translates to intestine worm or large intestine worm. And that's supposed to be in reference to the fact that it's red in color, kind of blood-like, mm. and the size, which is evidently supposed to be about the size of a human intestine. Mm. Around, I'm, I'm guessing, is what they mean, because a human intestine is actually really, really long. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, also so. long. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I'll bring yeah. my theories up later. Okay. Uh, so it... it some say that it has dark red splotches on it, so red spots, darker mm-hmm. red spots. It's supposed to be between two to five feet long, which I believe equates to about one to one and a half meters long. I had to do the math to yeah. figure that out. Why would you point. do it in the meters? Because yeah, everything reported it in meters, oh. so then I remembered what I saw Um, (laughs) i see and this is a description that really i don't know how to quantify it's supposed to be as thick as a man's arm so that mean my forearm my bicep schwarzenegger's bicep like i i don't know whose arm this is in reference to well probably the the typical mongolian's arm and they're probably a little smaller than ours. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, the creature has no scales on its body, so it's got smooth skin. And it doesn't have eyes or a mouth or any kind of sensory organs. Wait, it doesn't have a mouth? That are visible. Oh. People can't tell. It probably has them, but... Uh... Well, and, and, and let me... Here, let me, let me get to this next bit, and that'll okay. kind of maybe help this a little bit. Is it's not... You know how an earthworm, they're tapered, and they come mm-hmm. to a point on both ends? According to the lore, the deathworm... It ends bluntly at both ends, so it's it just tapers along, rounds off, and it's done. So it's not as if it's got a flat end and a pointy end. It's it's the same on both sides, and so people can't tell according to this that what end is what, what's the front, what's the back, just like a regular worm, as you said. Mm, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now there are accounts that say that it has, uh, it does have teeth. It does have a mouth, and that mouth is filled with sharp teeth. Rows and rows of sharp teeth. Yes, which, when it attacks you, allows it to drill straight through your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like spinning around wildly and just like, <laughs> right into you. Yeah, like right, out, right off through the other side. It's like the lampreys that we have. Yeah, they do that kind you of thing. You went out to the Bonneville Dam, right? Yeah. Yeah, lampreys are just disgusting. Like, well, you can see their mouths. Well, they've got a big sucker mouth full of teeth, and then they yeah. just kind of drill into something, right? Isn't that how they do that? Yeah, into the side of fish and mm-hmm. stuff like that, usually, uh, yeah. Nasty little things. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's a brutal way to kill something. Uh-huh. And so I, I never want to meet one of these things because it'll do. do it to me. Like yeah. when I go deer hunting, you know, I, I could just like grab them and chew, chew my way through them, their side like that. But I usually shoot them because I'm a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> never yeah. mind the catching them while running and chewing part. But, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's kind of hard, I just take the too. gun because it's more humane. I think no, we're right. just learning something about Joe and the fact that he apparently has a rotator drill of a mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That we haven't been seeing this whole time. Well, we're, we're, well, I don't want, I don't want to know what other secrets he's keeping. I don't either. Awesome. At this point. Yeah. yeah what uh, what's in the basement? Yeah. Let's 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 keep going here. Yeah. Good call. The death worm. It's got quite a few tricks up its sleeve for how it'll defend itself. Oh, because the drill mouth wasn't enough. Exactly. Uh-huh. Okay. Exactly. Sure. Uh, the first is that when threatened, it can change its skin color from red to yellow. It can spit 
poison at its uh, enemy, so it, it projects some kind of yellowish poison. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as a final topper, oh, by the way, it produces electricity. It can electrocute you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally electrocute I, I, you. I recall reading a uh, reading a tale about some herdsman reported that they it, it's like zapped an entire herd of camels and yep. killed them all. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the stories that uh, that I came across. Uh, let's see, what else have we got here about this worm? I think we've talked about regular earthworms, mm-hmm. and it's probably pretty important for people to kind of get an idea of what this thing is supposed to look like. Is it doesn't look like a regular earthworm in terms of, you know, earthworms are kind of, they're slimy and they're gooey. Mm-hmm. Well, it can't be a regular earthworm because it's in the desert and earthworms have really permeable skin to let mm-hmm. water in and out. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not yeah. like you would think of as the texture. That's why yeah. we po- <laughs> I pointed out it's got no scales, but smooth skin. Well, it might be. That makes it's... me think that it would be like kind of a dry skin. It critter. might have. It might actually have small scales because nobody ever seems to get too close to this thing. Mm-hmm. So. Or really yeah. large, like... So uh, something that I will likely be in- referencing this whole episode long is the dune worms, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't have like scales per se. It was each section was one Big whole rings. like mm-hmm. scale, yeah. a mm-hmm. ring scale. That would be those, possible too. And those were handy too because you could like catch a ride by hooking your yeah. hooking your hooks underneath those things and, just, and then just, drive them. Yeah, I totally was. I to- like as I was researching this, I was totally watching that scene on yeah. YouTube. Was, yeah. Oh yeah. Ooh, he rides it up. But I didn't try to pronounce it, be, or, you know, to put it in the story, because I could not pronounce the word that they used for the, the worm in Dune. It's a complicated language. Uh-huh. It's a very complicated, made-up language. Yeah. I forget. It's been so long since I've read that. Oh, by the way, if there's any any listeners out there who are movie directors or movie producers, could you guys do a remake and do it right this time? That would be nice. Of what, Dune? Of Dune, yeah. Oh, okay. Because as you pointed out to me, you know, they made a Mongolian Death Worm movie. They did, yeah. (gasps) What? 2010. It it looked surprisingly, shockingly, like a combination of the worms from Tremors and Dune. Yeah, it was a lot bigger than our Mongolian Death Mm -hmm. Worm. Yeah, Yeah, giantly huge. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, we're way off track already. Yeah, yeah kind of well, a little bit. This but... is going to keep happening, I can tell. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. So Joe had talked about this. There's there's a bunch of stories about how deadly it is. Mm-hmm. And Joe had talked about the, the herd of camel that yeah. had walked over it and it, it had shocked the crap out of them and from, killed them. From the ground, right? It yep. just stuck its tail up a little bit. and Well, it was underground and they walked over the ground and disturbed it. Oh, and it just went... Yeah, it went... Yeah, that noise. What was that noise? That one right there. <laughs> uh, there is another story where there was uh, a, a man in the desert and he had an iron rod in his hand. Just for fun. Yeah, yeah just, just sitting around, days. bored, poking it in the sand and suddenly fell over dead. And when his friends came over to see what was going on, there was a Mongolian death worm squirming in the sand where he had been poking the rod. So obviously he had poked it and it had shocked him and it killed went, him. How come they didn't? Pick up the rod and poke the worm some more. Uh, maybe because they just seen their friend fall over dead? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. I, I don't know. 
in conjunction with the electricity, as we talked about, it has the poison thing going on. Mm-hmm. Right. Which it can spit quite accurately. It can spit very long quite distances. accurately. And evidently that whatever toxin that's in it mm-hmm. is also on its skin. Because if you touch it, it will kill you. So How? You absorb it through your skin. and you Yeah. Because it's so super deadly. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I actually think that like cobra venom, isn't it? If you get that stuff on your hand, it will make you sick. Mm, I don't know. I won't I never tried you. that. No, it won't kill you but it'll, you <laughs> absorb it yeah. and it makes you sick it's like when you people get snake venom shot in their eye and it blinds them temporarily i think it's the same thing as you absorb it and it your body reacts to it interesting which is gross but it's evidently what this little critter is capable of doing oh i i guess i just kind of envisioned that it would be like really corrosive well, so yeah. it would just kind of like eat its way through your skin into your blood and mm-hmm. then just kill you. Mm-hmm. And and yeah. the, the stories say that the the venom is so corrosive that it'll it will corrode iron. Yeah, so it would. It would just eat its way into your blood system yeah. and then mm-hmm. kill you. Yeah, open up veins, keep going. Yep. It's like uh, alien blood. Remember <gasps> aliens, the Geiger yeah. aliens, uh-huh. yeah. just like those. Okay. Get sprayed with that acidic blood and you bleed out. Makes you're, sense. You're you're, bur- you're cooked. Yep. Mm. Wow. Uh, <laughs> It's a the, nasty little customer. Very. The, where does it live? According to the locals, like we said, it's in the Gobi Desert, but they say that they have seen it around the Black Soxel, which is it's a, either a, a bush or a small tree that's in the desert. And they say to that you're guaranteed to see a death worm there if there is another plant that is growing there, which is called the Desert Thumb. Or, oh, gosh, yeah. I can't remember what, what language it is. They Tar- call it the Tartuth. Tartuth? Huh. Yeah, Tartuth. And tar-tooth? I, I can't remember which language that comes from. Yeah. But, and that evidently has some weird parasitic relationship with the the, the black soxel. Yeah, apparently it likes to grow on the roots of the black yeah. soxel. And yeah. they say that when those two are living in conjunction, that's when you're likely to find the Mongolian death worm. And there's been a lot of conjecture of, well, maybe it feeds on the roots of the two, and that's how it makes its poison. I don't know. Again, this is just the story of saying that's where you'll find it is that's when you so find funny. this and that. Because my you know, in my brain, I was like, wow, I wonder if those trees together like produce a hallucinogen of some kind, and people are just seeing their roots. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> High that's as like a kite. where my brain went. Right? They uh-huh. were like, oh, maybe they feed on the roots, and I'm like, ah, oh, they're probably just hallucinating. Yeah. <laughs> they're just high. I gotta tell you, when I uh, when I get high, I usually choose not to see things like death worms. I'm glad that you can choose that. Yeah, I think you some, know not many people, people that can't. I know of are able to do that. But no, I just I usually just you. don't see death worms when I'm doing mushrooms or anything like that. Well, that's because you're not in Mongolia. Oh uh, yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe you're on Mongolia. your couch watching Tom and Jerry. Yeah, Mongolians are a little different, I suppose. There, there hasn't been a lot written uh, in English for many, many years about the Mongolian death worm, mm-hmm. and I think we alluded this a little bit earlier. In part of that is because of the fact that. Mongolia was controlled by the Soviets. Mm-hmm. So anything and their language is not the same. So anything that was translated from Mongolian usually got translated into Russian. And then maybe bits and pieces of it would be about the death worm. And then it would could slowly get brought over into English. But the, the first thing that it was ever written in English about this creature it was in 1926 by a professor by the name of Roy Chapman Andrews. Evidently, he traveled to Mongolia 
the the peoples there told him there was some high ranking official that uh, that that told him about this creature they offered him some kind of reward if he could find one mm. but he wrote about it in a book he wrote which was called on the trail of ancient man but it was pretty obvious that andrews didn't believe them and he didn't actually think it was true because he wrote about it, but he was real skeptical in his first mm. writing. Uh, yeah. He followed <laughs> up like six years later with another book and he talked about it again and he added a little bit, but still he was very pessimistic. Yeah, I think that really right. think, think it was there. Skeptical is the word you're thinking of, but it's like... Uh, you know, skeptical you, is the word I'm I thinking think one of. The thank thing, you. One of the things that he noticed is that uh, everybody talked about having a friend of a friend of a cousin mm-hmm. who had seen one for sure, you know, so everybody believed it, but nobody had, he ever talked to firsthand firsthand yeah nobody and yeah in fact no there's nobody out there who's ever seen one firsthand Mm -hmm. that we all know of but anyway i'm getting ahead of you well well, not too far ahead that's okay yeah yeah. uh we're gonna we're gonna get a little more into here because there's there's been a lot of people who have been trying to find the death worm and those old writings that i talked about from the 20s aren't the only stuff once the soviet union started to crumble and things started coming out and other writings that's how we heard about it so a lot of the stuff that you find it tends to be repeated well and we know enough about the soviet union and russia to know that they suppress things all the time mm-hmm. yeah they know a lot of stuff about aliens and cryptozoology <laughs> of and all that yeah. stuff. Of course. And they're just suppressing it, obviously. Yeah. yeah well, no, and, and you know, I talked about the, the fact that the Mongolian language, the writings had been translated into Russian. Mm-hmm. Some of that writing had actually been translated by a very specific guy by the name of Ivan Mackerel. That's, mackerel that's how I mackerel. That. mackerel i think that's how you say his name mm-hmm. and he's a he's a czech native he evidently learned about the death worm back in the 1980s he became enamored with the idea and he decided that he had to find this creature and so he started launching expeditions to find it mm. he made his first trip to the gobi in 1990 and it obviously wasn't just him. He took along a bunch of people with him. And then he did it again in 1992. And a lot of the stuff that he wrote was obviously things that he had heard from either natives or in writing. But once he went looking for it, well, that's where the whole thing kind of falls apart. Mm. Uh, okay, we've we've been talking about two very specific movie creatures so far. Yeah. Dune and Tremors. Yeah. Dune came out in 1984. Tremors came out in 1990. Movies. Movies. The book Dune was around. Right. Yeah, you're right. I'm talking about the movie. Sure. And this guy did his first trip in 1990. Uh. He and his fellow researchers evidently were enamored with the movie and believed that it was the key to finding the Mongolian death worm. Well, the movie was the key? Uh-huh. Well, and, and the book and how things happened because... Oh, they thought that it was based on, like... Oh, they're talking about the... Secret knowledge. So it's are these the guys that <clears throat> basically created thumpers, like in, yes, the, in the book? Yes, that's tune? exactly yeah. right. They they would pound on the ground with their hands and feet. They had machines. They'd, they were using small explosives to create the thumping to try and call these creatures to the surface. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, 
I, I know we're all staring at each other kind of dumbfounded here. Thank like, you. Really? I just realized, again, you know, I have those moments on this show where, like, I will stare at you in this, like, <laughs> yeah. dumbfounded, are you kidding me look, yeah. and then remember, oh, crap, we're recording something. Uh-huh. People can't see this face that I'm making. That is the face that I'm making. Yeah. Because what? Yes. They were trying to make their own thumpers because they were convinced that it was just like the creature from the books in the movie Dune. Not necessarily a, a really brilliant assumption to make. No, really. no, but, not not the best scientific method ever. Yeah, the thing about you know the the, the, the sandworms in Dune is that uh, whenever they caught the slightest vibration, they came zipping along because they wanted to eat you. Mm-hmm. And the, the Mongolian deathworm, it, it seems, is kind of shy. He might, yeah. he might hear the thumping and go the other direction. Yeah, exactly. Most likely. I mean, he's not going to come and try to charge up and eat a human being. Yeah, and, and there's, there's since he's uh, since Ivan's done his, I think he did two or three that I know of. Expeditions. Expeditions. Mm-hmm. There's been at least a dozen that I found record of, of people going looking for the Mongolian deathworm. Uh, the last one I think I saw was in 2010 or 2012. Mm. Somebody, I think it was from, uh, somebody from the Fortean Institute, you know, Fortean Times, which I know I've sent you stuff from. Yes. Both mm. of you, which anybody yeah. who hasn't ever gone to Fortean Times, go to Fortean Times. It's kind of a fun read. They have some funny stuff up there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they, not... they funded an episode or an uh, expedition for this people to go out. And people were using ultralights, to fly around the area so that they weren't disturbing the ground, to try to find them because they were thinking, as Joe was saying, maybe they're really shy Uh and they can tell when you're coming. And maybe it's just that when you're sitting around, you catch them unawares and they surface. I don't know. That's, though, about the extent of the information that we have about the Mongolian deathworm. So there must be some really great theories about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And trust me, uh, I've found a bunch of fun ones, and I even made one up. You know, I uh, actually made one up in the spot, too. I was going to say, I, I have two. I mean, I have the one I've already told you, is that they're high. I think it's, there. what is that? Yeah. But I think it's actually much more sinister than this. I mean, people think, see the worm, and they think, well, we're looking at a two to five foot long worm here. But what if? It's not a worm. What if it's just like the tentacle of some gigantic creature under the ground? Oh, it's sand Cthulhu? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Sand Cthulhu. Yeah. yeah. That, that was, makes sense. Yeah, so that's just, that's just something I thought I'd throw out there. I was going to say it's like a leftover from accidental human sacrifices. Yeah. It's just actual bits of intestine. Oh. Strewn about. That's really mm. disturbing. You're welcome. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Mm. Can we get to the, the actual theories and not that disgusting yeah. one that you just brought up? Yeah. Something less gross. Really, I'm thinking... I, I didn't think of intestines when I said the large intestine worm, but now I am. You're welcome. It is grossing me out. You're welcome. Oh, by the way, I think I already said this, but just in case, yeah. we said there was like a dozen of expeditions, and I think I also covered that nobody's actually found this thing, right? Mm-hmm. No. And not yep. only have they not found one, they haven't found a carcass, they haven't found a skeleton. No they haven't found anything. haven't found anything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. by the way, um, this is another fun thing that I've, I've heard, is that the Mongolian deathworm doesn't slither. You know how like a snake slithers along? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It either rolls like a sausage down a hill or it's uh, like, have you ever seen a grub? You dig up a grub and they just kind of flail back and forth. Mm-hmm. Does yeah. this make sense? You know, they, they a C-shape one way and then they flail into a C-shape the other. Yeah, that's how it gets around. Okay. Mm, Sounds inefficient, but hey. Hey, what what you know, what do we know? Uh-huh. We're, we're not a venom spinning, electricity producing <laughs> crazy creature. Absolutely. 
But hey, uh, well, this not is a, all uh, of us are. Yeah, for, Style doesn't matter at that point. <laughs> for, those of, for those of you who are out there, though, who are thinking about going out to the Gobi and looking for these things, I'm going to give you a great clue as to how to find evidence that they exist. Okay. Yeah. I'll, wait, it, till the, I'll it, wait till the end. Oh. Oh, come on. Oh, you want to hear it now? Oh, yeah. How okay. about you, you, you create your own evidence? Well, you can, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Well, here's, here's how to get a clue, I think. Uh, the black saw, which is a small tree or shrub, that lives in the Gobi, and of course, there's that little that little thing, the desert thumb that likes to hang out with the with the bush. Mm-hmm. And the Mongolian deathworm just loves the hell out of those things. Mm-hmm. So all you got to do is you go to an area where the, lo- the local natives say that you're likely to find a Mongolian deathworm, and you find these things, and you dig up the sand around these bushes, put it in the large containers, take it back to the lab. Soak it in water, drain the water off, distill the water, and the residue left should be an incredible poison. Because as these things move through the sand, they are going to leave some oh, residual, actually, yeah. some residual chemicals behind on the sand. Right, because it's on, on their the, skin. Yeah, it's on their skin. They're, so they're going to leave a residue of this deadly poison. So all you got to do is, like I said, soak the sand, drain it off, distill the water. Do some lab analysis on it and I see what kind one, of deadly chemicals you've got the in The one flaw in that is assuming that the deadly poison that's on their skin is always there. In other words, mm-hmm. they're always damp with it. Uh-huh. Because if you're a desert creature, always having moisture on you is a very inefficient means well, of is. surviving. It is. Well, that's one reason. So it might be that when you touch them, their reaction is to spurt it out of their pores. Because there are critters that when you poke them, they, they ooze stuff out as a reaction. Mm-hmm. So it could be that it's not until they feel contact that they put that out. And mm-hmm. maybe it is yeah. that when they brush against a rock, they automatically put out the poison. But it just know, seems inefficient to have it on them all the time. Well, now that we're done with that, let's go into the theories that I found. Oh, the real theories? Well, they're they're not real. They're they're just theories. Okay. But here's the basic first theory. The whole thing's a fake. The whole thing doesn't actually... I mean, this is is a viable thing that we have to look at, is that it's not real. Mm -hmm. It could be that... It's it's a, a story that is just a tall tale that over the years has just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger with each retelling. Yeah. So that it's just it's taken on all these fantastical abilities when it never actually existed. I mean, it could it could have been just one of those things that a parent in the desert so you're a nomad with your children in the desert and you say, you say we've kids. stopped don't wander away or the death worm will get you yeah, exactly i was i was going to say that it's probably one of those stories that parents tell their kids to scare the crap out of exactly. them exactly permanently it, but at least they don't wander off into the desert and get mm-hmm. killed exactly so that, that could be that could be one of them yeah it's pretty valid okay yeah. and, you know and, and you think about like you know other mythical creatures like the snipe yeah, you know this guy that this guy that went off to to Mongolia and the like the the president of Mongolia or the oh Prime Andrews, Minister. yeah, 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 <clears throat> and he's saying so. I, I would I would I would love so very much if you could find evidence of the Mongolian deathworm, you know, and, <laughs> and, and send him on a snipe hunt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They all have probably had a great laugh about it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's some creatures that actually do exist in nature that if we look at could potentially be a relative of, or uh, a candidate for what the death worm is. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Sicilians, which it's it's not the people from the country Sicily. This is a breed of creature. It's they're spelled C A E C I L I N S. Yeah. Not Sicilian. Right. Yeah. But it's pronounced very similarly. Yeah. Uh they're amphibians. Uh they're they're somewhere between a, a a snake and a worm. They they're they're really small. Normally, they're only a couple inches long, but there are a couple that can get up to I don't know about four or five feet long. They, they got no legs. Their skin is smooth, and they live underground. They don't. They have itsy bitsy eyes, and occasionally they will come up above ground. And they've got a, but they've got a weird pointed head, which, according to the stories, this thing doesn't have a discernible head. Right. So that's a problem. Uh, the other problem is that they tend to live in moist tropical areas. Oh, that makes mm-hmm. sense. So you yeah. know, they're they're an underground. They're very damp. But you know, I not think a desert dwelling kind mm-hmm. of critter. Yeah, but I, you know, I mean, God knows, you know, many many thousands and you know eons ago, what the climate in the Gobi Desert was like. They, you know, it could have at one time been a moist, lush jungle. And <clears throat> and it's and, the climate and, change. And you're, you're stealing my thunder there, Joe. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold off on that because that oh, okay. that's going to come up in a little bit. Oh, I didn't know. There's I've another re- theory I've down read the, the script. Line. Yeah, I did it oh. to you last week. Um, we've got uh, Ampicibia, which is another kind of burrowing, legless, long-bodied creature. They're they're actually really similar to the Sicilian, except that they they don't live in the same areas and they don't grow nearly as large. But they are another kind of weird little worm like long critter. Mm-hmm. They they have rings instead of scales, so kind of like the dune worms. They've got mm-hmm. big rings as they go down their body. Sure, yeah, but. Again, they they don't live in the right areas. Mm. Uh, there are actually, and this was this was something I found really interesting, and I thought kind of could be a match. Have you ever heard of legless lizards? Uh, yeah. No. So legless lizards, they they they're not a snake. They look like lizards, but they either have small little bits of stumps for legs or there's no leg, you know, maybe one set or the other is missing or it's a little flap of skin where they've devolved, you know, de-evolved the need for that leg. Mm. And so they're gone. Uh, And they've, the problem with legless lizards is that they've, they've got, uh, they got, they got regular scales, but they're, they do get big. So there's Mm. one called the glass lizard. It's a legless lizard, and it's really, really gross looking. Oh, I'm looking at a picture right now. Yeah, uh, oh. the the legless the the glass lizard can get all uh, five feet or longer, and it's got these really weird grooves on both the left and the right side of its body that go all the way down its length. So, uh, the best way to describe it, it's got to like look up the glass lizard, and you'll see, ladies and gentlemen, and then you'll curse me for having had to see this nightmarish creature, mm. but. Legless not, lizards. I don't think I'll even would, look at a picture of it. Legless lizards would be a creature because they're a lizard that could live in the desert easily, but they've got scales and yeah. they've got an obvious head because yeah. they're a lizard. So they've got a pointy tail and a kind of bluntish head. Well, you know, lizards do. And they're course, pointy, bluntish. That doesn't rule them out entirely because no. after all, after all, God knows when the last human being actually saw the Mongolian death worm. Exactly, and they might have been at a distance. And so it, it didn't could, get a very accurate description. I, I consider the legless lizard 
actually one of the the, the top possibilities for what this is. Okay. The next one is it could just actually be a snake. Yeah. The stories talk about the fact that it ha it, it spits a venom, which is very similar to cobras. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do that. Cobras are are really accurate with spitting the poison, and that poison really does not do good things to people. So they could be a snake. One of the other descriptions that you see of the Mongolian deathworm is that it's not it's got the blunt ends, but it's actually got spiky protrusions on both the front and the back of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying how long these spikes are, so they're not like fantastically big things. They could just be little spiky ridges, but that's a lot like vipers. If you think about adders and vipers, they've got a lot of ridges on their heads, and that's something that they use to detect vibration in the ground and in the air. Mm. So, again, this is very plausible that it just could be a really venomous, really shy snake. That's Mm -hmm. true, yeah. Yeah. So somebody comes along and it startles it, and what does it do? It stands up and it spits venom at them and then burrows into the ground. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then the story just grows from there. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. so the electricity part of it maybe was tacked on later on. Yeah. In a place like the Gobi Desert, I could totally see a place like that having big, scary, poisonous snakes. I mean, I'm not skeptical about that at all. No, and I'm not at all. So in snakes, there's a lot of varieties of snakes that are really shy. This is also stealing your thunder Uh a little bit, because I know where we're headed in terms of theories but you know there is such a thing as an electric eel Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. if the desert was once a huge sea i don't know what everything was once a huge sea right Mm -hmm. so uh, i mean you know i guess in my mind it's possible that it evolved into something more snake-like yeah. But also well, let's could, let's go let's go right? there. But because... as far as but as far as you know, an electric eel going you know evolving into this dry land variant that has is the ability to store enough electrical energy to drop a herd of camels. Camels. Oh well, obviously you know? not I mean, that, that right? In my mind, <laughs> not to like reveal what I think about this story, too much, <laughs> yeah. but in my mind, that's an obvious like lie. That that, that bit is is that's right. easy to toss out the window. Yeah. I understand that. Yeah. Well, and let's let's run down that. We'll just we'll just jump ahead to that theory because mm-hmm. this is the theory that I came up with on my own. So I admit that I'm grasping at straws, and I can't think of the phrase when you take loose bits of related data and draw a conclusion from them. But that's that's what I did to to come up with this maybe plaus- possible theory. Yeah, it's called making things up. Okay. That's that's what I thought it was. Okay. According to legends of the region, what is now the Gobi Desert, a hundred to two hundred thousand years ago, was a giant inland lake. Mm-hmm. And at some point, whatever land mass or geologic structure that was holding that lake in place gave way and that lake drained. Mm-hmm. So the whole area no longer is full of water. Well, if it's a giant inland sea, it's going to have some kind of fish in it. So now let's step back to what Devin said about the electric eel. The electric eel is one of six different species that are on the planet that make electricity to shock, stun, kill, prey, or or predators. Right. And they've all done so independently. And I did some research on it. It's really kind of interesting. They've all used the same gene. Interesting. Which is, yeah, it's it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. 
unique, and yet they're all very like stingrays and and all of that. The, they're electric rays, not stingrays. Mm -hmm. So you're arguing in favor of intelligent design? Is that what you're saying? Uh, no. Saying just but what I'm God's saying, toolkit. what I'm saying here is, let's just say that in that inland sea, something like the electric eel, which by the way is not a fish. It's a lungfish. It breathes oxygen through its mouth. So electric eels have to come up and That's take air from the surface. That's why they always look like they've made a bad pun, right? Yes, exactly. Ah. So if there's something like a lungfish that can make electricity in this sea, and the sea doesn't just drain in one giant torrential outpour, mm -hmm. it slowly drains slowly. out. It dries out over eons. Over centuries, say, perhaps. Yeah, over a couple yeah. of centuries or thousand yeah. of years, thousand years, these Creatures, which already are air breathers, could slowly learn to adapt and burrow in the mud. And then when the mud went away, they went deeper into damper soil and sand down below to stay cool and moist. Which would make sense when people say the thing only comes up when there's a heavy rain. Yeah. Because it's got to come all the way to the surface to get air. Yeah. And it would only be when the ground was super wet that they would be able to conduct enough, enough electricity to send that to somebody who was standing near it. Mm. Do you see where I'm heading with this? Yeah. yeah. I know so, I'm totally grasping uh, at straws on this one, but it, I'm like, okay, well, I could, I could see and I guess the rationally other, how and that the could happen. And the other argument would be if it's seen around a tree, a tree needs water, yeah. right? So there's mm -hmm. definitely yeah. like deeper wells, and I don't know if there's something about the combination of those two that means that there's more moisture or whatever to support on, both of them of, yeah to yeah. be able to support both of them in the middle of this desert mm, or maybe it just likes munching on you know that little parasitic plant too. right oh the yeah. little uh, yeah. thumb the, yeah, yeah the thumb little plant. desert thumb desert thumb yeah. I, I think i obviously don't understand how evolution works that well I, and, but... and, and again i'm not i'm not gonna say that i i understand evolution clear enough to say this could happen but just Oh, it's a vague well, idea. One yeah, one and two and three. I could see how that could happen. Yeah, I mean it's entirely a possibility. You yeah, know, but it is. Uh, but and, you know, it's still, you'd think that somebody would have come across one of these things, unless that they always live that far down in the sand because it's nice and cool and damp, mm -hmm. and it's only when it's heavy, heavy rains that they come out. I mean, I don't know. Again, mm -hmm. I, I realize I'm grasping at straws on oh, this. Oh yeah, well, well whatever. Uh, our yeah. final theory. That's it. It's actually an extinct creature. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, people have been living in that region yeah. for eons, yeah. as Joe said. So it is quite possible that there was something similar in one form or another to the death worm that was in the region. Mm. And it died out, either through you know evolution made it run into extinction or people freaked out and they hunted it or they killed it out of fear or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. It may be that there was a creature like that at one point there and it's no longer there, but the story is stuck around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so interesting. That's, that's, that's also entirely possible. Yeah, that's possible. Although, you know, I would think they would have come across a skeleton because uh, there's been a lot of digging in the Gobi Desert. I mean, there's a lot of dinosaur bones buried in that desert, and mm -hmm. there's been a lot of expeditions, a lot of... A lot of big old dinos have been dug up out of the Gobi. Well, but if it's a little creature, though, it might have really fine bones that just get broke up really easy. Yeah, possibly. Think about or how no fine bones. fish bones are. Hmm? Or no bones. Could have yeah. no bones. Could yeah. be worms, some sort I mean, of worms, invertebrate. Worms don't have No, they're an invertebrate. I mean, they have yeah. no bones. And if it had some yeah. kind of 
um, carapace or shell to it, that would potentially break down if it was like an insect of some kind. Yeah, or even no. Sh- I mean, I don't know that a worm would leave a fossil unless it was under like a really, really unless the it was right in the mud or something like that. Well, if it dies then, in the mud and it winds up getting preserved, it yeah. Mm-hmm. But if it's not in the mud, it's it, you know, there's no bones. It's just like basically flesh that decays and mm-hmm. and if there's no imp- if there's not hard enough ground to pack around it to leave the impression then, then we have no impression of it yeah mm. so. yeah. yeah anyway so it seems possible we just haven't found it yet i'm sure there's i mean yeah i'm sure like you know for every living creature on the planet today i'm sure there's probably 10 or 100 that have gone extinct yeah so there oh. could have been something yeah. like that very simply yeah well what i mean what what do you guys what do you guys think what, what's your favorite theory I, uh, my favorite theory is that it's probably just a local legend. Although, you know, I think that they can they can easily put a bunch of just oversized rat traps around some of those plants <laughs> and, and nab some of those things. I think that uh, that might be called for. That is such an effective effective means. I'm yeah. sure that'll totally work. Those those sticky traps? Yeah. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah roach motels. No, I'm talking about rat traps. The kind that go snap. Like, you know, <laughs> I mean, that kind. <laughs> With the cheese and everything. Yeah, and then the best thing about it is you, you tie a, a, a you wire like a, a cable to it and then stick a stick a, a like a steel rod into the ground to ground it. So you'll, <laughs> you'll totally drain it of its electricity. So it can't zap you. <laughs> Devin, what's yours? I'm not a fan of that at all. I like your theory, actually. Really? I, yeah, the like weird slow lungfish evolution situation. Mm-hmm. I think it's I I like it. I personally, I like it. Uh, though mine is fun, I think it's probably just a, a really shy snake. Mm. I really, yeah. I have a feeling that it's a very shy snake. A lot of the quote-unquote illustrations that you see of it, I mean, these are people just making up what they want. Mm-hmm. They're things that are reminiscent of dune or tremor worms sticking out of the sand. Mm-hmm. You can't see its bottom half because it's sticking out. And I can, there are snakes that, that burrow and then pop their heads out and look around. And I could totally see somebody seeing that from a distance and it's spitting or freaking out and burrowing back in and having no idea and, and starting a story. That's so fair, that's, yeah. That's mm-hmm. kind of why I think, uh, that's why I lean towards a snake. I guess. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's snakes in the Gobi, though. And and the thing mm-hmm. about it is, is the locals know those snakes, and they're probably not going to mistake not one all of the them, though. snakes for. There's know. there's all kinds of you know new things that are found all the time because they just stay away from people. They're just so afraid, or not afraid, but they just instinctually stay away from people. And when you're in the desert, you're not walking by yourself. You're walking with a bunch of people, critters or, or machinery. You're gonna make a bunch of noise and vibration. Which is a sign to hide, right? Mm-hmm. But well, well, it's true that there are there are definitely uh, creatures. We're still finding new species, mm-hmm. right? so it's it's entirely possible that something like this exists. I doubt it's quite as fantastical, as scary and gross, mm-hmm. you know, and enormous and everything like that. Yeah. But you know, I I, I tend but to it could agree. Be, it could be there could be something. The basis might be some extremely venomous snake. Mm-hmm. You know, that that might be the where yeah. it came from. Well, if you if you have your own theory and you want to tell us what that is, you are more than welcome to share that with us. If you go to our website, thinkingsidewayspodcast.com, you can leave a comment on the website. Uh, all of the episodes, of course, are on the website, so you can listen to any of them there. Or if you prefer to download them, uh, iTunes tends to be the primary avenue folks go through. Find us on iTunes, download, subscribe, leave us a comment and a rating. We love to hear from people for that. 
Um, if you don't have, you forget to, to download a show and you realize you know one's come out, you can always go ahead and find us on Stitcher and just stream it over any mobile device. We are on Facebook, so we've got the Facebook page and the Facebook group. We're always sharing stuff on there. People seem to be enjoying it and having a good time. So you can, you can track us down there, and anything you want to share, you can share right there as well. And, of course, we have our email address, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And mm. you can send us an email with your thoughts. If you're a Mongolian deathworm and you want us to get the story straight, you can, uh, if you figure out how to type, you can send us an email. You know, we're going to get emails that are just like... (laughs) (laughs) And then a follow-up angry email. Why is the keyboard on my computer melted after it sent you this (laughs) message? Sorry. At the bottom, underneath Mongolian Deathworm says, sent for my iPhone. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They're everywhere. I can see Uh... this happening. You know, the the other thing about the Mongolian Deathworms, if there are any of you out there, what I want to know is if you guys are so incredibly scarily dangerous. Why don't you all gang up and invade Ulaanbaatar? You can easily slaughter all the human inhabitants and have the whole city to yourself. I don't even know where that's at. Ulaanbaatar? That's that's Mongolia. Uh, That's that's the capital of Mongolia. Okay. I I figured it was in Mongolia, but I didn't know what to say. Yeah, I I think it'd be really cool. I think they should just team up and invade Russia. That'd be kind of cool. They could. Yeah. But anyway, no. uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, what were we talking about? Uh, uh, we're moving. Email. We're moving on from that. Oh, yeah, because yeah. we have uh, we have a couple of uh, listener emails that uh, that we got that we wanted to share. We got a couple of good ones to share. Oh well, as as opposed to the usual nasty ones. That yeah. We don't, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Devin, you wanna you wanna read the first one? Sure. All right, let's hear you it. You guys ready? Yeah. Okay. This one is from Hunter. Hey, Hunter. <laughs> Is his name Hunter or is he a Hunter? I don't know. He might be a Hunter. Oh, okay. But his name is Hunter. Hunter. Okay. He's also Hunter. He says, hey, Thinking Sideways crew, I am a butcher by trade and spend lots of times working in the cold. The time passes with hours of music and podcasts every single workday. By far the most anticipated podcast is indeed the Thinking Sideways podcast. You are intelligent and witty and most importantly, entertaining. Y'all managed to cover theories ranging from the mundane to the supernatural without seeming condescending to either side. Having three hosts with varying beliefs makes it a bit more interesting as well. I've been listening to the podcast since the Bygong Pipes and ever since have tore through the backlog all the way to the Ghost Blimp. Um, are there any more from before then? If not, I'm y'all really not. started strong with a higher production value than most starting podcasts. Either way, y'all seem to have no intention of letting off the throttle yet. Keep up the good work. <sighs> of course, he has his list of favorites. Mm-hmm. Yep. And his list of suggestions. I yep. saw that too. I, read I that think email. he must yeah. be from the South somewhere. I'm, I'm going to yeah. guess. Lots of y'alls. Lots, lots of y'alls. Lots of y'alls. And, and he yeah. just says, you know, thanks a bunch for the highly intelligent entertainment. Well, yeah. thanks, Hunter. We appreciate yeah, thanks, that. Thanks, Hunter. Yeah, really and appreciate help we're uh, making your work a little easier. Yeah. yeah. No kidding. And, and, and thanks for being a butcher. Yeah, I know. I, I like me my steaks. But, uh, yeah, and I don't want to have to cut them up for myself. No, I don't no, want to butcher a cow. That's, that's, not that's, really, that's, that's not yeah. very fun. That's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. No, and I did have to let Hunter know that, unfortunately, the Ghost Blimp is the first, the first episode. Mm-hmm. We, we don't have any hidden ones that we, we, we tried out in the beginning, unfortunately. I'm glad that he thought that we started out at a pretty high production value because I listen to those old ones every once in a while and think, wow, that sounds 
awful. Yeah, and they're in black and white. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With that, like, really annoying, like, vinyl, like, crackling. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I discovered that it wasn't so awesome to put that in after a while. Yeah. No, I didn't put that in. Huh. Uh, okay. Well, uh, we've got another email that I wanted to read. Okay. Uh, and this is from Will, uh, who actually is here in Portland. Oh. And Will, uh, Will was writing us saying that uh, he'd had a chance to listen to the Jefferson Davis 8 episode. Oh. And. And he said he really enjoyed it. Uh, and as Will said here, the interview was solid. The subject matter was engaging. And the infographic was incredibly helpful trying to follow the spaghetti mess of a case. Mm-hmm. Which is really a good description. A lot of, of, a lot, of na- lot of names in there. A lot mm. of weird Yeah, the podcast itself was really long, but there's nothing you can do about that with a bizarre case like this. True. Actually, I think the length is really the limiting factor on doing subjects subjects like this regularly. Two hours is a lot of time to commit to a podcast, no matter what the subject is. I agree with that. No, absolutely. And, that's, you know, we... and not all of our listeners are going to want to listen to two hours no. of uh, us droning on. No, and you know, I remember we used to get mail pretty frequently that said, "Oh, well, you you guys should do longer shows. You should do mm-hmm. longer shows." And our shows have definitely gotten longer. You know, we started out doing 20, 30 minute shows, and now we're you know average we... about an hour. Yeah, you know, when uh-huh. we we sit down and we say this is going to be a short show. And it ends up being, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. And I think that's a, that's a good place for us to be. I agree. Uh, but I think that, you know, every once in a while we end up doing this two hour long marathon. And, and it's always the topic. Yeah. It's, it's the topic that drives it's it. It's always just a weird anomaly. Um, but, but Will yeah. goes on here and he says, uh, oh. I do think it's really interesting to investigate stories like this. Unsolved, quote unquote, multiple murders in the area or in the era of CSI contrasts sharply with the crime solved tidally in an hour on our television sets. That's true. Mm-hmm. You that, would yeah. think that, or, well, I'm sorry, what he says is I think that what's really makes the Jefferson Davis 8 compelling is that eight bodies should be enough to solve almost any mystery. Well, Agreed. yeah, that's yeah. You know, I sort of agree with that. But then again, if you look at stuff like the Green River Killer, I yeah, mean, there was there was like what thirty bodies no, in that how case. How long of a or, period was that guy? That over? was over many years. Yeah, and, yeah, but I mean, it's, but it's, no, he, he. I mean, you've both got I a mean, point. It's there's a lot CSI that you know is available today, and he doesn't make a good point. Everybody expects now, I'm going to go do this, and the CSI is going to solve it in an hour and a half. Well, it's yeah, that joke, happen. right? Is the like zoom and enhance? Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we can take a take an image that has like eight pixels in it. And we can somehow, you know, get a, a beautiful. I can run an algorithm. Yeah, I run an algorithm and get and a everybody always, image out of that. Yeah. Everybody always forgets the reflection. Better check the reflection. Check the reflection. You can see him there. Yeah. 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 yeah yep. Totally works. You know, and we forget about that. Oh, mm. I always do when yeah. I'm committing crimes. I know. I'm I always not them. looking for the mirrors, and that's why I get busted. Uh, I know. Uh, yeah. Well, but anyway, you know, the, the, with the Jeff Jeff Davis eight, I think the thing is too is that. Uh, Murder is typically the easiest crime to solve because there's usually somebody that's got a big Jones for the other, you know, for the murder victim, mm-hmm. and so it's usually pretty easy to figure that one out. But when it's a random thing like a serial killer, for example, which this very likely is, then well, it's not so easy to not so easy to solve. Yeah. Unfortunately, no, unfortunately not. Or it could be a massive conspiracy of criminals and the police too. So maybe they are easy to solve, but the police just don't feel like doing it. I don't could know. Could be. I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. Well, regardless to Hunter and Will and everybody else who sent us emails in uh, this week that we got, 
Thank you very much. We do appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, it thanks is, for the however, good suggestions, by the way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The, Thank uh, you for filling up our thing again. Our backlog, yeah. or our, our, the, the hopper is the full, list. as yeah. they say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I, just, I just put a bunch of them in there this, That's good, t- this week. That's good, because we needed like, them. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. More mysteries. That's More a mysterious mysteries. planet. All right. Well, uh, in, in the spirit of trying to keep this under an hour, we're going <laughs> to go ahead and wrap this one up this week, guys. So I uh, hope you uh, enjoyed the, uh, the little death worm. Uh, don't go looking for one. And no. we will talk to you next week. Yeah, if you're in the Gobi Desert in June or July and suddenly a big thunderstorm comes rolling up, get the hell out of Dodge. That's all I can say. Uh, so anyway, goodbye. We're going to wiggle on out of here. <laughs> <laughs>